family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and there tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This. It's Tim and Friends for Friday, February 4th, or our final show before being kicked off the air for the Winter Olympic Games in Beijing, China. So a few of us are two hours away from a couple of weeks of vacation. We'll still be ever-present, as always, on socials, at Tim and Friends, on both Twitter and Instagram. But a few of us are Audi 5000 in about two hours. Not that we're excited about it. Sorry, what's that? We have a visual representation of what it will look like in one hour and 59 minutes. I don't even know what that means. What are you guys even talking about? What does that mean? Eight, seven, what? six, five, four, Jim three, Perry. two, one, hey! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so maybe we're a little excited, but most of that is because we have a great show for you. Nate Burleson and Connor McDavid wow. are joining us on today's show. <laughs> yeah. We'll also take the Gary Bettman press conference live from Las Vegas in about 45 minutes past the hour. <laughs> I don't know if everyone's excited that much. Gary Batman, maybe not so excited about the yeah. last part. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting press conference, I'll tell you that much, Jesse Rubinoff. To say the least. Yeah, given some of the things swirling around the NHL right now, again, that's a commissioner of the NHL scheduled to speak in about 45 minutes from now. Nate Burleson scheduled to speak in about 20 minutes from now. Connor McDavid scheduled to speak to us about 60 minutes from now. My vacation scheduled for about 117 <laughs> minutes from now. You talk the entire time. First things first, though, <laughs> is right now. So let's give it some torque, Raymond Bork. Nice. We're going out with a bang. Torque, Raymond Bork, Nate coming on, the commissioner of the NHL is coming on. Well, not here, but... They'll be here. Yeah. Yes. Via remote Via from remote. Las Vegas. Yes. With David here. Like, that's that's how you do it, right before vacation. Yeah, you're going to want to stick around for all of these conversations. 100%. Mm. Okay. The top story for us, the NBA All-Star Reserves were announced last night, moments after we signed off the air. Kyle Lowry is a six-time All-Star. He returned for the Heat last night after missing nine games, and here's what he had to say post-game. Shout out to Fred Van Vliet, my young buck, All-Star. <laughs> and he's out. <laughs> That's how we tell you that Fred Van Vliet is indeed an all-star. Uh, but Timmy, obviously, tons of love on the socials for Freddie Van Vliet. Yeah. We're not surprised by this, are we? In the moment, no. But when he was undrafted out of Wichita, hell yeah. Like, this is an unbelievable story. This is a story that we have seen, what, three times before in the NBA? This is just the fourth dude ever to be undrafted and make an all-star game. John Starks in 94, Ben Wallace did it a couple of times, and Brad Miller did it. Like, this story is surprising as hell. And what makes it even better is that Freddie Van Vliet has done it the old-fashioned way. He earned this, and I was going to swear, I swear to God, I was going to say he earned this. Because every step of the way, Fred Van Vliet has been doubted. And to do what he's done in a league like the NBA, like just, just ponder for a moment all of the lottery selections and all of the dudes who felt like they were given superstardom. And then look at his numbers and remember his rookie year or his second year. Or, or even last year when people were watching him averaged 19 and a half points and saying, well, you know, Kyle Lowry's the groat and what's going on with Pascal Siakam. He's upped his numbers from last year and every coach in the league looked at this dude and said, hell yeah, we yeah. want him on the All-Star game. Hell yeah, he represents all the things that are good with this game. And hell yeah, he does it off the court as well. So to Freddie Van Vliet, 
Greatness is not given, it's earned. And Freddie Van Vliet just earned his greatness. An unbelievable journey. I mean, you talked about it, the fourth player to be undrafted. And Fred Van Vliet was asked last night if there's one particular moment he remembers from the journey from where he began to now being an all-star. Have a listen. Training camp as an undrafted rookie, um, staying over there in the Rosemont and just literally, you know, being on my knees praying before I went to bed to make the team. You know what I mean? Like, like every night, you know what I'm saying? Just pouring out everything I got during practice and um, workouts and things like that and just praying that somebody would see that. And it's not really about, like, praying that I've – I've done my job, you know what I mean? It's more so for the recognition because I've always believed in myself, but, you know, I've never had someone else believe in me like this. Like, screw Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. How about Freddie Van Vliet is the new... I mean, I never say anything's possible because there are things that are impossible. However, Freddie is proof that much is possible if you never stop fighting. And he has fought and clawed for every piece. And when you threw to that clip, mm -hmm. I thought you were going to go back to his draft night. Because that's the point that I remember the most. And we've had him on the show a couple times. Sid and I had a wonderful conversation with him sitting just over where Jesse is, talking about his growth and how many times the bet on yourself is cashed. And when he signed his last deal, he came on the show again. And we talked about, like, is this the bet on yourself cashing? And he's like, nah, like, there's been 15 different points where I felt like the bet on myself has cashed. And this is yet another one. But I think back to that draft day party and the confidence that this young man had on himself to stand up in front of his friends and family who wanted to celebrate him getting drafted in the NBA and said this. So, I had a chance to get drafted, uh, but they were talking about putting me in the D-League for two to three years, you know, slaving away for 20000 a year, 10000 a year. Uh, turn those down, you know, I bet on myself. Uh, it's been a long process. Uh, right now, I just want to celebrate the process, man, what I've been through, the grind. Obviously, everybody dreams to get drafted, you know, as a kid growing up. Um, everybody want to get picked, but... At the end of the day, man, it's about making money. Well, obviously, I'm disappointed, but I just want to thank everybody for coming out. Um, definitely going to drink a lot tonight. Uh, enjoy this process. Um, again, just thank everybody for coming out. Uh, my story going to end here. It's just the beginning. It doesn't really make sense for my story. I get good picked. Um, I've been against the odds my whole life. Unbelievable. That's, that gets horns. My, my favorite part of that is the, the, uh, the gentleman who thought he was lending support when he said, you know, they would have picked me in the second round and they <laughs> slave away in the D League for two or three years, make ten or $20,000 a year. Oh, that's all right. He's like, no, no, I turned it down. <laughs> turned it down. Yeah, he couldn't see it. He couldn't see where it was going. Yeah, he didn't know where it was going. He was just trying to be supportive. So good. Nobody, nobody would have seen where it went. Yeah. And to Freddie Van Vliet, congratulations from the entire Tim and Friends team. Like, I don't know a person in this building that doesn't cheer for a guy mm -hmm. like Freddie Van Vliet on and off the court. And I stress that, right? Like, in moments of, of real toughness, Freddie Van Vliet has had this, like, calm demeanor that he brings to the table, articulates himself so well, yeah. and brings it down to, like, just a lay person's common sense that isn't so common. I have a ton of respect for what he's been able to accomplish. Yeah, and let's face it, like the Raptors, you, when you bring someone on that goes undrafted, like there's a little bit of luck involved there. Not everybody sticks, and he was able to stick when he went undrafted in the draft. So just every step of the way just continues to get better, and you talked about it. He personifies what we talk about a lot on the show, and that's the culture, and that yeah. was again on display, I believe. Last night, Chicago Bulls, best team in the East, came into Toronto, and it was yeah. the Raptors who picked up a hard-fought overtime victory. Pascal Siakam, 25 points, while three other starters finished with 21, including Scotty Barnes, who tipped in the tying bucket in regulation to force OT, while Gary Trent Jr. put the game away with a clutch three. So contributions every which way for the Raptors. Tim, what was the, or was that the most impressive win of the season? Hell yeah. 
I mean, listen, maybe I'm not remembering game by game by game all of the victories that the Raptors have put up this year. However, when you think about like this four-game winning streak yeah. starting with a triple overtime game in Miami, and you and I came in here on Monday and like, well, they got four games and five nights against some pretty good teams. There's no chance that they keep this little run going. And lo and behold, they've been like since that triple overtime, you beat the Hawks. Now listen, Trey Young didn't play in that game. You beat the Heat and Kyle Lowry didn't play in that game, but you looked at the Bulls lineup and you thought last night, yeah, like this is a good team. You said to me halfway through the show yesterday, did you see that the Raptors are favored in this game? Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Wow, that's a lot of respect from Vegas who doesn't normally respect the Toronto Raptors. This is going to be a really tough game. And the fact that they pulled it out the way they did made it really impressive to me. It just feels like they're, they're finding a way uh, to win games now, which is, which is incredibly important. And if we were to, I think, sort of handicap this little stretch here where they've won four in a row, what would we have been satisfied with or Raptors fans been satisfied with? Like, what, two and two? Listen, I don't listen to what you're satisfied three? with anymore after Canadian soccer just blew up an entire <laughs> window without Alfonso Davies. I'm, I am not walking those roads anymore. I'm Fair not enough. satisfied. They shouldn't be satisfied with anything anymore. Fair enough. Um, but you're right. You're right. The, the way it broke down, the minutes that were played in that triple overtime game yeah. on Saturday night, you're like, there's no chance they're going to roll through what they just rolled through. Crazy. And yet, lo and behold, the Toronto Raptors on this February 4th, the year 2022, are a half game back of the Brooklyn Nets. Like, ponder that for a moment. I know the standings are a little... I know there's been injuries to the Nets, but guess what? The Raptors have had their fair share of rough patches in this year, and since December 1st, this team has been good, as good as anyone in the Eastern Conference. Last night's game, as good as any one of their wins, and the fact that they did it by seeing contributions from every angle last night Siakam 25 Ananobi 21 your boy future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes who had had been let's be honest not as good as he looked early in the season over the last little while the 21 points obviously sending it to overtime eight rebounds in 37 minutes Freddie did his thing and Gary Trent Jr. didn't have to score his 32 he had 16 in 40 minutes, and the Raptors bench helped, especially on the boards with Boucher and Achua. Um, Delano Banton played 11 minutes. This yeah. is what add one more piece to this team, and I'm not convinced they aren't going to beat somebody in the postseason. I completely agree. And you look at the, down the stretch last night, you had Scotty with a tip in, basically to send it to overtime. You had Gary Trent with that clutch three in overtime. OG with back-to-back threes. It just... They, they all did it last night. They right. all contributed. And, and that's what they've needed. They need that depth to shine in order to win. And that's what happened last night against the top team in the East right. until last night. Agreed. So a big night all around for the Raptors. Totally. Shout out Freddie Van Vliet and shout out the Raptors for a very Amazing. impressive win. Speaking of the Raptors. Yes. A former Raptor has been dealt. That What's going is, on, Jesse Rubinov? Correct. There is a reunion of sorts in Los Angeles because Norm Powell is on his way to L.A. to join Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka. The Clippers are trading Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and future second-round pick, and a future second-round pick to the Blazers for Norm Powell and Robert Covington. Hmm. Uh, I, I sort of thought, and I don't know about you, Timmy, but I thought Norm would maybe be a decent piece to keep an eye on for maybe the Raptors. Obviously, that's not going to come to fruition anymore. But they yeah, you mentioned that on the show. Sort of a depth piece like that who Nick Nurse trusts, but doesn't look like that's going to happen because he's off to L.A. Never understood the move when you have when you have McCollum and Lillard in Portland to go get Norm to start. Like, how many guards do you want on a team? Yeah. Uh, the fact that there's a like is. Are all Raptor fans not just saying, "Hey Kawhi, if you're gonna go get Serge Ibaka and you're gonna and you're gonna go get uh, Norm Powell, why don't you just run it back in Toronto?" Yes, which you should. Well, weather, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's it. That's probably all it is. Man, that's a, probably a solid answer. Uh, but Norm's a local guy too, so hopefully it works out for Norm. But uh, listen, it's going to be uh, tough sledding for the Clippers, even though the, um, imagine, guys, do we have the West standings? I know I didn't ask for this before the show, <laughs> but 
The Clippers beat the Lakers last night. The Lakers are, are a disaster. I, I mean, obviously, Kawhi's They've had not healthy. just as many injuries. Yeah, Kawhi's been healthy all year. And it doesn't look like he's going to come back until at the very end of this but regular season at best. Kenny the Jet Smith keeps coming on here and saying, well, injuries, injuries, injuries. The Clippers are ahead of the Lakers in the standings. Yeah, I don't, I don't like I it's, know how that's possible. I, I don't know how it's possible either, but it, it happened last night. Good luck to Freddie. Um, so I guess that's Raptors South. Kawhi yeah, Surge. If you're looking for someone to cheer for in the West, maybe it's the Clippers. <laughs> or maybe you're just uh, – you were spurned by Kawhi Leonard, so you're not going to do that anyway. But uh, remember that moment between Kawhi and Norm? Maybe we'll get round two. Do we get uh, round in two? In L.A. Yeah, at uh, Crypto.com Arena is what they call it now. The old staples. Crypto. Crypto.com Arena. Well, well has, has half of it plummeted? Never mind. <laughs> oh, good. All right, uh, on to the Olympic Games. Very good joke. Is that you're the economist in yeah, yeah. geography? Yeah, I got it. I got it. I wonder, right. I wonder who else got it. The Olympic Games <laughs> underway, at least officially. Beijing officially becoming the first city to host a summer and winter Olympics. The Olympic rings revealed in a unique way. A slap shot breaks the ice around the rings, and they are raised into the air. A lot of money spent on this entire thing. See Canada led out by speed skater Charles Amelin and... Women's hockey captain Marie-Philippe Poulain, the team sending a total of 215 athletes to Beijing. Following the parade, 91 individual snowflakes representing each competing country formed to create one large snowflake when the cauldron is lit. How about just share the story of one snowflake? The games are underway. The cauldron is lit, Beijing 2022, officially underway. I know I just did the highlights of the opening ceremonies, Jesse, but am I just getting old? Or is the pomp and circumstance surrounding the opening ceremonies outside of the athletes? <clears throat> Do not get me wrong, I am 95% on the side of the athletes. They've worked their ass off to get this moment and to walk into that stadium is very cool. But all of the pomp and circumstance and speeches and all that stuff, like, yeah. I, I grew tired of it. Yeah, I'm with you with that. And I think in this particular Olympics, there's sort of a, um, I don't know, little bit of a political cloud sort of hanging over it. So I think that contributes uh, to it as well. Uh, but nonetheless, like you said, we all want the athletes to perform well and have an amazing time and bring home the medals and have Canada near the top of the... The metal table, you're furiously writing something down. What is it? I just, uh, you're not supposed to point that out. I'm supposed to do that to let you finish your point. <laughs> and then when you finish the point, I don't forget what I was going to say. But you, you said a, a bit of a political cloud. Like if that isn't the nicest way yeah, to say what you were century. really thinking, I don't know what is. I didn't know. Can you tell like... me after the show what you really wanted to say? Before you said a bit of a political cloud hanging over these games. Well, we don't, I mean, it depends how much you want to you want to talk about it, but that's that's what it is. Well, I, I mean, listen, I found it. <laughs> I, I, honestly, it. I turned it on, and um, president of the IOC was giving a speech about uh, building bridges, and uh, and and the, even the fiercest rivals can come together in in friendship and harmony and peace. And then he threw to the president of China to open the games. Yeah. It's a little bit of a juxtaposition. Yes. I think without question. And, and I think that is why. I mean, I don't know what the interest you level is. You don't have to add to that if you don't want to, by the way. Well, I just, you I, can I, just I, let it sit. I'm curious to see what the interest level is because that has been sort of like the dialogue leading up to the Olympics. It happens every time, though. And then as soon as the games start, everyone talks about the political ramifications. Someone's talking about the Zika virus. Uh, someone else is talking about all the atrocities. And I'm not lessening any of those atrocities, but the IOC knows and banks upon the idea that as soon as they start, you don't give a bleep. And for me, yeah. and for me, it's not that we don't give a bleep, but I respect the athlete who nine times out of ten does not make a lot of money. They just go there because this is their passion. This is something they wanted to work towards. And the ideals behind the Olympic Games are true and virtuous, but we just know they're never held up. That's yes. all. All right, we can move on from that.
Very nice way to, that, to end. Uh, yeah, yeah, that does, tie a bow on it. Yeah, satisfies me. Send it sure. on its own way. Uh, the <laughs> NHL All-Star Skills Competition is coming up tonight, actually right after our show here on Sportsnet. Nice. This year's well, you know what? Hold edition. on. I actually like the skills competition. Like, yeah. I don't like a lot of All-Star games. I like the NHL Skills Competition. I think they take a little bit too, time, too much time to do it, and it's a great PVR watch. Zipping through some of the commercials and things like that. Yeah, but sure, that's fair. But I like it. Well, I think there's going to be some fun stuff right. uh, this year because I know that they have the uh, fountains. There's accuracy shooting on the fountains of Bellagio. Well, I think there's two, which which is one, and then the other one is the blackjack. They're calling it 21 in 22, <laughs> where you have to I try get it. and the year is 22. Play, play blackjack, blackjack by shooting 21. at boards with cards. Right. Um, do either of those tickle yeah, the fancy? The fountain. I have no idea what it is. Um, what is it called? The fountain face-off? The Discover NHL fountain face-off. I have no idea what it is. I heard they're taking a boat to the middle of the fountains, That's cool. and they're going to shoot through fountains. Yeah. I want to see that. I'm there. Like To me, the greatest one always is the accuracy challenge. I don't know why they changed it. I don't know why they messed with it, so that you could have Ray Bork or... Thomas Caberla's four and five or the four and four for Ray Bork um, and compare it to the modern day players. Yes. They did mess with it a little bit. I don't know what they're doing this time around. Is it just four targets, knock them out and you're done? Mm -hmm. Do you know that? Not 100%, no. Okay. I don't know that either. It's fine. You don't have to know that. No, no. I I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know everything. Didn't you do the accuracy with Natalie Spooner, though? You want to do the accuracy with me? We still have that net. I would love to. Really? Yeah, why not? I was a goalie, well, but I'll try and hold I my I saw own. how nervous you got when we mentioned a geography competition. I got the net in the hallway. Let me just make sure I'm wearing an undershirt. If you want to go toe-to-toe today, okay. the Tim and Friends Accuracy Challenge can close out this show. Yeah? Yeah. Let's do it then. All right. What's that? You're showing off your mitts, your just dangle? Getting, yeah, I'm just getting the soft hands ready for later. Are you going to pass it to me? Are we going to stand in the corner like, like I don't think do we it? have enough room well, we in here. Room. We'll figure it out. That's com. a shame. Yeah. All right, uh, <laughs> maybe kids can figure out what we're going to bet on this, too. Still to come, Connor oh. McDavid joins us from NHL All-Star Weekend. Don't we have a few bets on today's show? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Gary Bettman meets with the media in Vegas. We'll listen in on that. And after the break, our final conversation of the NFL season with the one and only Nate Burleson, at least on TV get you the early tee-up for the Super Bowl. Get his thoughts on Brian Flores and the hiring practices in the NFL. Tim and friends, final show before the Olympic break. Are we counting the seconds? <laughs> How many minutes? We have one hour. Fred Van Vliet, for the first time in his career, has been named an NBA All-Star. It's amazing how he accelerates again. Look at him go and he's won it again. So what were you thinking? I just go as fast as I could. There's uh, nothing more to it. Kaminga, the human helicopter! Stop! Showing out! Why not? Oh, he's got a truck, a table. Oh, boy. (laughs) Bill's Mafia represented 2022 Pro Bowl Skills Showdown. I go out every night and sleep all day. Still to come, Connor McDavid and Gary Bettman jam-packed show here on Tim and Friends. I was going to say Sid, and I caught myself, but <clears throat> Tim and Friends. Uh, when Outkast recorded their hit, Hey Ya, folks saw the video, bounced to the beat, and felt like it was kind of that feel-good hit you could dance to. But really, it's an ironic statement on modern-day relationships and how folks don't really want to hear it. They just want to dance. So I felt today a little like Andre 3000. You see... Tim and Friends is off for the Winter Olympics. Excited. Going to do some things, get some things done, maybe a little bed, bath, and beyond. I don't know. But because we're off, it means that this is our last conversation with Nate Burleson. So maybe I'm in denial, Nate Dog, but all good things must come to an end, I guess. But, but is it an end, or is it just I'll say goodbye until I see you later? In, in, until we meet again? Until, Until we meet again. again. Hey, listen, I'll tell you this, and, I, and I'll say it live on air. Yeah. Um, I will be in Toronto. Let's Uh-oh. just call it 
in May. So uh -oh. we definitely got to link up. So I will see you sooner than you think. Uh-oh, there we go. That's nice little tease. Nice little tease. We might have to have you to the McAuliffe Homestead, get you some good grub. I'm down with that. All right. I'm down with that. All right. Now, one of the things I love about our Friday chats is that there's no BS. It's just two dudes talking, which yep. I really think the mainstream media needs to do more of these days. But I digress. Yeah. When, when I heard about the Brian Flores class action lawsuit against a couple of teams in the NFL, then saw Flores on with our guy, Nate, and CBS this morning, or CBS morning, excuse me, uh, I, I started looking forward to this conversation. What did you yeah. see in the story one and then in talking to Brian Flores as the most important part of all this, Nate? One, um, I always listen to you, um, and I like to take what you say and create that common thread into the next conversation. So um, and, and response to how you opened up, because I do feel like you're not just great at your job. You're also um, a, a beautiful writer, and you deliver your <laughs> words so poetically. So let me continue this. Um, at the risk of being an outcast, he decided to be a big boy oh, and shake it like a Polaroid pitcher. Oh, now, snap. that might seem like a little bit of a joke and a play on words, but... He was taking a risk to be an outcast, and he had to put his big boy pants up and say, you know what, I might be risking my future as an NFL coach. And the reason I said shake it like a Polaroid pitcher is because if you took a snapshot of the NFL and black coaches in the NFL decades ago, the numbers would look exactly like they look now. So you shake that picture and you say, wait, 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 wait a minute. I mean, the league... Oh, it's cutting out at a bad time. Nate, I think we may have lost the feed. It's slow. Oh, oh, oh. it's catching up. There we go. It was a terrible time. Did we lose him? I think that's a freeze. Uh, we'll try and get Nate back on. I think that's a freeze. Because um, it was a perfect, and the, and the segue about the outcast and the Polaroid so picture good. was bang on. He's so good. Absolutely bang on. So I'm going to need to apologize as soon as he comes on because I think he was getting to the point on Brian Flores, which makes it difficult for Brian Flores to be the man in front of this civil suit. Uh, we'll bring Nate back in. And Nate, I got to apologize. It froze for a flash, and you had just finished the shake it like a Polaroid pitcher part of what was a brilliant segue from my terrible lead in. Well, I'll say this. Um, absolutely genius lead in. I, I, I do believe that um, you are one of the most talented men in the business. But the reason I said that is because if you took a snapshot of the NFL decades ago yeah. and you look at the landscape of African-American representation or people of color in coaching positions, um, head coaches, GMs, NFL ownership, that picture will be the same no matter how long you shake it. So, um, you know, we sat down with him and it was a very honest conversation. And, you know, sometimes you look at a man and you, you have to ask if they're doing it because they feel like it's right or they're doing it because they feel like it's lucrative. I felt like Brian Flores was doing it because he felt like it was right. He knew exactly what this would look like and the possible ramifications of him possibly not getting the job he wanted in the recent future. So um, it was it was eye opening. And, and, and let's keep it real. Tim, come on, man. Like we do this every single week. Yep. And. I, I try to be as much of a company man as I can be. The league has provided a tremendous life for me. I mean, a launch point for so many things that I hold near and dear to my heart. But I also have to be a journalist and give individuals like Brian Flores and his representation, his lawyers, to speak their truth. Now, there has been a response from the NFL. There has been a response from the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and also the New York Giants. But what I do know, with all that said, without getting into the minutiae and the details of the lawsuit, right. when you look at the representation of African-Americans on the field and the lack of representation of head coaches in the NFL, change needs to be made. And I hate to say it, but maybe the Rooney rule isn't enough. You know, that's interesting because the one black head coach in the league, and, and that's right, one black head coach in the league right now, he coaches for the team whose owners instituted the Rooney Rule, the Rooneys themselves. And they've had three head coaches since January of 1969. I repeat, they've had three head coaches since January of 1969. The Giants are on their fifth head coach since 2017. Like, if the yep. Rooneys, in, and I, I know that the rule is flawed, but if the Rooneys can't influence the rest of the league, Nate, who the hell is going to so that we do see that change so when that Polaroid picture is... is, is 
gets shooken one more time, there's a different yeah. picture that comes up. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what Flores was talking about when he came on my show. He said, and this for me, I'm doing it for all the coaches that didn't get the opportunity for me, and I'm, I'm doing it so I can uh, hopefully ensure that young African-American coaches of color that are in positions of office coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams, that they have a legitimate shot at being head coaches. you got to imagine what he went through. So he was sitting back. He gets this text message from Bill Belichick, says congratulations. He's like, wait, hold up. I'm not doing my interview till Thursday. And then Bill Belichick doubles back and says, hey, I was texting the wrong Brian. Now you still walk in there with your chin up, chest out, saying I'm the best man for the job. But in the back of the back of your mind, you're thinking to yourself, I know what these text messages read just a couple of days ago, and I know that these guys are not going to give me the job. And it turns out that everything was pretty much as he expected. He didn't get the job. Brian Dayball did. And then now he's sitting back on the outside looking in. This is where I respect him, though, because he could have sat back and said, okay, there's still some vacancies out there. You know, there's a couple of spots yeah. that are calling my name and I still can land a job. I don't need to rock the boat right now. But he said, forget about that, man. This is bigger than football. But I love what he said at the very end. He said, I still want to coach. So hopefully he'll get another opportunity. Yeah, I think for anyone thinking that this is a selfish move on Brian Flores' part, you're missing the boat. You're missing the plot. And I know, Nate, you, you may have missed the Rocky Wirtz hockey story this week. But there was an example of the arrogance of power this week in hockey, like mm. completely foreign to being held accountable because of the power that money brings too many. Yeah. And it yeah. gave me a real good look at how systemic issues can be, whether it's misogyny yeah. or abuse or racism, how yeah. it exists. And I hope folks understand that until the power is held accountable, we won't see it happen quick. And, but I will say this, and I do say this well a lot. Said. Uh, slow progress is better than no progress. And I feel like our kids are better off than we are, but we would like sometimes for it to be quicker. Exactly. To move well said, along, brother. To move along. All right, uh, let's get to the game. Can we, can we talk a little game here? Yeah, let's talk a little football. All right. Uh, Super Bowl is a different beast. Uh, even in a pandemic, it is a different beast for all involved. You get the two weeks in. You get the media. You get guys like Nate Burleson sitting down for interviews with you. Um, yeah. Joe Burrow is already Joe Cool number three. But this is a young kid and a young group. You think they're ready for this? I do. Yeah. You know, when I was watching that AFC Championship game, the Chiefs, they jumped out on them. I'm talking about body blows. Boom. <laughs> Boom. It was like I was watching a heavyweight fight, and I saw the Bengals just take a knee for a quick second and then stand up at the nine count. And I'm like, yo, I don't know if they're built for this. But then when I looked at that squad on the sideline, Joe Burrow didn't panic. Zach Taylor, the head coach, didn't panic. I'm looking at Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, the defensive players. None of them panicked. And I thought that was odd because I felt like as fast as the Chiefs started, it would have took the wind out of the sails of this Bengals team. But in the second half, it's almost like they took the field as if they had everything in control. And it turns out that they did. I have a high level of respect for Zach Taylor and, of course, Joe Burrow, Joe Thurl, Joe Burr, Joe Cool, Joe, <laughs> whatever you want to call him, big play Joe. What I do know is there is this, um, this confidence, borderline cockiness, this composure, this cool. But then there's also this... Let me just pull back the curtain for everybody at home. So when I'm a receiver, right, and I, I, I stand in the huddle, you got 10 other guys. What's happening in the moment is surreal. I mean, it's something out of a movie. And the reason I remember these moments because I used to think to myself, I couldn't script this if I tried to write it. And you have the crowd going crazy. You're on the road, right, just like the Bengals were. You look at each other. You got guys that are battered and bruised. You got your running backs that are sitting there bleeding, scraped up. You got grass stains everywhere, scratch mouth on your helmet. And the only one that can steady this ship in these rocky waters is a quarterback. So we're sitting in there breathing. <sighs> we good? You good? All right, man, let's put together a drive. Come on. Let's reward our defense. Quarterback walks in. In that one moment, that quarterback has an opportunity to show to everybody within that huddle that we got this. Now, I done been in huddles where quarterbacks will make eye contact with you. He is more shook than any person you have ever met. You know that if the ball is in his hands, this isn't going to work out in our favor. But then there's other quarterbacks, and this is the reason why I bring this up. I was watching Joe Burrow. I wasn't looking how he was throwing the ball or how he is dropping back. 
I was looking at what was going on behind that face mask. And what I saw was a dude that was so calm and collected. Very cliche term, right, in football. But this is exactly what he was. So Joe Burrow, a young quarterback, comes into that huddle time after time after time, whether he was getting hit, whether the drive didn't go his way, whether they had to settle for an Evan McPherson uh, field goal, he would walk in that huddle, we got this. And I'm telling you, I promise you, if you don't know that feeling as a wide receiver for a quarterback, even if he's lying to you, that false sense of hope will steady the waters, even if they're crashing up against your ship. That's what makes him special. All oh, not to mention, in, a matter, in the moments that matter most, he can make throws that every elite quarterback can make. Right. So that's what makes him special. Like, Joe Cool is a statement, but being cool is truly what he embodies. And when guys are looking for something to have faith in, to have a quarterback, a young quarterback, to walk in that huddle and say, we're good. I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. I'm not worried about this lead. I'm not worried about this crowd. I'm not worried about them loud-ass speakers during the halftime show, and I can't hear them. I'm not worried about any of that. <laughs> I'm worried about getting this dub. And that's why he's special. Now, with all that said, he got Matt Stafford on the other side. I know right. some people are saying the Bengals are destined. It just seems like this season is meant for them to win it, right? It would be incredible for the Bengals to win a Super Bowl, special for Cincinnati, and I'm all for it. But at the same time, you got Matthew Stafford. You don't think what he went through, you don't think his story has has, has put him in a place right now where he's been torn down, beat up, played with the shoulder down there, hanging off of his arm, and now he's in a position where he's playing with Sean McVay, talented, skilled players, a defense built with monsters. Oh, and not to mention, they are playing in Los Angeles. You don't think this is a storybook ending for his career? I said it before, and I'll say it again. Matt Stafford started off as the Prince of Detroit. He wins this. He will end this season as the King of L.A. I don't care what LeBron is doing out there. And LeBron knows I love him. I'm just saying the Lakers aren't should be having. So, Matt Stafford pulls this off. He can wear the crown for a little bit. And, and you walked into that huddle with Matt Stafford before. Yes. It's amazing for me to see 12 seasons, zero playoff wins, what his legacy could be if in the one season in L.A. he's able to turn that all around and capture Vince Lombardi's shimmering glory. So I ask you, Nate Burleson, as we've run out of time because of the technical difficulties, give me your pick. For the Super Bowl. Right now, as we stand, um, you know, a, a week is a change away. I'm going with the Rams, but I have to be honest with you, Tim. Okay. That could change yes. within a matter of days. Without a doubt. And I know we're not going to talk again, but if you want me to pull up on you, give you a call, FaceTime you, <laughs> hop, hop on the Zoom next Friday or Saturday, I'll do that too if we can <laughs> ask this question again. But right now, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to keep it real. It could be biasness. It could be the, the fact that I want to see Matt Stafford win. Right. But I just do feel like the Rams are a more complete team. Oh, and not to mention Sean McVay got uh, he, he got punched in the mouth, and he tasted blood when Bill Belichick um, outcoached him in the Super Bowl. So I yeah. think he remembers too. Uh, listen, I always appreciate our convos, um, that even with your schedule and being the proud papa that you are with the kids, that you still find time for us north of the border because I know it ain't the money that we're paying you. Um, thank, <laughs> thank you, my friend, for another <laughs> great year. And if we do hop on a Zoom or a call next week, maybe we pop it up on digital so people can see it because I okay. would always welcome a conversation with the great Nate Burleson. Hey, love you, brother. Appreciate yeah. y'all. Be well. Man. Love you, too. The things that I look forward to every single week. Shout out to all my family in Canada, all my cousins that I don't know. I love y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Burleson. All right, time for our break. After it, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly are about to meet the media in Vegas. This is a live media availability. We're not sure when they're going to hit the podium, but we were expecting around 5.45 Eastern time, which is about two minutes away. There's going to be some interesting questions, perhaps about the Rocky Wirtz display the other night. We will take you to that press conference next, right here on Tim and Friends. This guy is head and shoulders the best in the league. I don't think there's one player who stops Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid doing what he does best. He's just putting up points. McDavid's not going to let off that gas at all. It's only a matter of time with him. Speaking of Connor, here's McDavid. Beat him in. Shoots and scores. He's done it again. Coast to coast. 
Connor McDavid, he moves at a different speed than anybody else. You give him a little bit of space, boy, he'll burn you. Connor McDavid has some speed to the net, scores! Here's McDavid, he scores! Oh, magical goal by Connor McDavid. Wow. McDavid in on Soros. What a move! Deposits in the back of the net. Soros, helpless. McDavid, beautiful move. What can you say? That's not a statement. That's a millennium type of goal. I think there's still some jock straps over there. Our next guest joins us as a part of the latest Rogers Moments contest. And in the past, lucky winners have spent time with Jose Batista. They've been drafted by Darnell Nurse, Bo Horvat, and Mark Shifley. And today, Rogers Moments is giving you a chance to win an all-star jersey signed by that dude, Connor McDavid, which makes it fitting that our next guest is Leon Dreisaitl. I'm kidding. It's Connor McDavid <laughs> from the all-star game in Vegas. Thanks for doing this, Connor. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Is there a chance to relax on an all-star weekend, get some good meals in you, just hang out with some of the boys, or is this weekend filled with things like having to talk to jabronis like me? <laughs> it's a busy weekend for sure, um, you know, but it's, uh, it's a fun weekend. You know, it's something that uh, we like to do, and um, it always makes it better when you get to go with uh, uh, a great buddy like Leo and you know, we get to, to hang out a little bit and go have some nice dinners and, and, and spend some time together. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a busy weekend, like I said, but it's, it's, uh, it's fun for sure. I'm assuming All-Star Game number one is a little different than All-Star Game number five, but is it still fun to get out and see all these guys with some pretty serious talent on the ice? I mean, anytime you get, uh, you know, the world's best together uh, to, to play a game, it's, it's special. Um, you know, it's special to be a part of it, especially to be around all the guys and, um, you know, looking forward to uh, to tonight and uh, and, and seeing uh, you know the, the the skills competition and stuff like that. But um, you know, really looking forward to to to, uh, to tomorrow to uh, competing for uh, you know, to win the All Star game. All right, serious question: Harder the NHL Skills Challenge or the Cabral Richards, aka Cabby Skills Challenge? Start, bench, cut, or throwing footballs on the ice? <laughs> uh you know going uh doing a quick lap is uh is a little more my uh my thing than uh than than doing some of that stuff with cabby but you know, he's a he has a great personality and it's uh it's fun to do stuff with him as well i know doing the fastest skater again are you ever like yo can you let me do like something else accuracy like did you want to shoot from the bellagio fountains uh you know i i i kind of get I've, I've kind of been put into a little bit of a box as just uh, as just a skater. Um, you know, I, I think it's time that uh, I show people that I can do something else other than just the fast slap. But no, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, a great uh, a great field this year. Um, you know, it's 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 fun to finally compete against uh, a guy like Dylan Larkin. So it's uh, it's always a, a, a fun uh, fun little competition. Nice. Uh, Rogers Moments is offering you a chance to win a sign Connor McDavid All-Star jersey. All you got to do is log on to rogers.com slash NHL All-Star between now and February 6th at midnight Eastern to enter. Now, I, I was watching all old All-Star games on Sportsnet last night. 1980 was on right after our show. It was Gretzky's first. I met Gretzky when I was like 10 years old. I was playing for the Toronto Arrows and I think I got about three words out when he asked me to hold his necklace while he skated. It was an Oilers uh, pendant with a diamond for the oil drop. I'll never forget it. But let me take you back for a second. Connor McDavid, back in the day, I believe maybe York Simcoe Express at the yep. age of 10. Whose all-star jersey would you have wanted back in the day if you could get one signed? Yeah, for me... Um... You know, I was always a huge Sidney Crosby fan. Uh, you know, just loved uh, watching him play and, and uh, you know, kind of watching him go through his career and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I had, a, I had a Sid jersey when I was younger. And, uh, you know, kind of like your story there, if I had a chance to, to get an all-star jersey, I, I'd have to go with him. Do you remember the first time you talked to him? I met Sid uh, when I was playing in Erie there. Uh, um, he was kind of just down the road um, in Pittsburgh. Um, and we used to go to a lot of Pittsburgh games, and you know, one of the one of the the, the billets, uh, the billets there in in, uh, in in Erie had a little bit of relationship with Bill Guerin or something like that, and we ended up going down to a game, and and uh, we were in the room afterwards, and you know, got a chance to to meet him, and 
know, he's uh, you know such a, a great guy, and um, I've had a great time getting to know him uh, over the years as well. So, would you do the same thing for like a Shane Wright or a Connor Bedard? Uh, I met uh, I met Connor Bedard um, over the summer. He was up training with uh, Gary Roberts at right. uh, at our at our gym there for a couple of weeks. So I got a chance just to meet him, and I you was know, just a really humble kid, and and uh, obviously so uh, so talented. And um, you know, it's been it was it's fun to watch him those two those two games, and, and unfortunately uh, got cut short. But um, I'm sure we'll get that tournament going, and he'll uh, he'll be lighting it up. Uh, like he always is. Yeah, you got a few in the W, too. Again, rogers.com slash NHL All-Star for your chance to win this dude's jersey. Okay, we, we have a few Oilers fans watching right now that need me to ask you about the season so far, and I can't let them down. Um, a rather eventful season so far. Finished strong at the break, but how tough was the stretch where it seemed like nothing was going right from, from the ice to the press conferences? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's been it's been an up and down year. You know, we've had we've had uh, really big highs and and we've had really good stretches where we played well and and uh, and won lots of games in a row. And um, you know, and we've had that we had that stretch there uh, kind of through December and you know, kind of just a a weird time, honestly, with uh, you know all the breaks and, and stuff like that. And we're not making excuses, obviously, but um, you know, just a weird a weird kind of six weeks there. And you know, obviously, tensions run a little hot when things aren't going well. So. Um, you're going to get things like that um, you know, in the media. You know, we're, we're we're passionate people, and we want to win, and we want to do. Uh, we want to, you know, put together a good team for the for the people of Edmonton and the fans of Edmonton. And um, you know, when we can't do that, it uh, it can be frustrating. So, I'm glad uh, we finished uh, finished strong before the break, and we'll pick it up uh, where we left off after here. I do love the passion, and I understand the patience of not only the fans, but the patience of a player. Like, listen, now that Sixero is gone from the show. We're pretty close to the anti-hot take TV. Like, I like to think that everything's measured or most things are measured. And I always stress that, like, progress isn't the straight line. No matter what anyone tells you, uh, success can kind of sort of look like that as opposed to the straight line. But how tough is it for you to keep your patience while you wait for the success to come in Edmonton? You know, I'm, 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 I'm a part of that, you know. Um... You know, I, I, I uh, you know, when our team wasn't playing well, I wasn't playing my best hockey, and um, you know, I, I got to take ownership of that as well. So um, I'm just as much a part of this as anybody else, and um, you know, we got to figure this thing out all together. And um, you know, I want to, I want to be in Edmonton, I want to win in Edmonton, and and uh, that's my, my uh, that's my focus, and that's what I work to do each and every day. Nice. Uh, Darnell Nurse was on with us, and I asked him if he knew the difference between the great start team and the team that struggled through those 20 or so games. He said yes. Are you confident that you guys have figured out the difference between those two teams? And I understand it was a crazy stretch and you're going to go through another crazy stretch here. But do you feel like there are key things that you guys focused in on to help you kind of turn the corner going into the All-Star break? Um, yeah, I think there's a few key things that you know we talk about in the room. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it is 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 just guys feeling good again. You know, it's uh, it's uh, you know, hockey is such a confidence thing, and and uh, when you don't have confidence um, as a group and as an individual, it uh, it, it uh, it's hard to play the game. And uh, you know, for whatever reason, there we we lost our way a little bit, and you know, seemed to uh, seem to get it back there before the break. And guys are feeling good, and you can feel it. You can feel it in the room, and um, you know, so. Obviously, we don't love that uh, we had to take a break when we thought we were playing well. But, um, you know, we'll, uh, like I said before, we'll pick it up uh, after the break here. Yeah, it would have been nice to keep it going. Do you feel like Evander Kane is part of the solution, or will that take some time to know? <clears throat> I think um, that'll take time. You know, like anyone, he's uh, he's getting his feet going again. You know, it's been a while for him, um, you know, since he, since he last played. So... You know, he's working his way back into game shape and, and feeling good again. And you know, he's come in and and, uh, and he's played well. Um, he's uh, you know, he's contributed offensively. He plays physical. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a guy that uh, you know, is going to help us on the ice for sure. On the ice, we've seen the results. What's he been like in the room? He's fit in. You know, um, he's come in and and uh, you know he's just been himself. And you know, guys have uh, guys have. Uh, 
know, welcomed in, welcomed in, in, and um, you know, it's uh, it's been pretty seamless, honestly. You got hit pretty hard answering a question about him, and I said on the show that it was like a no-win question and a little unfair. Um, but was there worry about bringing Evander Kane into the room, or even in today's society where this computer thing and these phones light up all the time? Are you, are you able to kind of like tune those things out and focus on hockey? Um, yeah, I think um, you know it's uh, it's 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 a balancing act, right? With uh, you know, wanting to uh, wanting to put the best team possible together on the ice, but uh, also be uh, respectful off the ice and, and things like that. So, um, you know, Kenny made a decision and and, and brought him in, and um, you know, we, we we fully support Kenny, and you know, and and Kaner's come in and he's done everything that's been asked of him so far, and um, he's been uh, a good guy in the room, and and he's played well on the ice, and you know, he can't ask for much more than that. I appreciate you answering these questions, so I'm going to finish with this one. When in Vegas, does Connor McDavid A play backjack and craps, go see a show, or just get a good meal in him? Uh, maybe a combination of all of those things. <laughs> uh, Leo, Leo and I had a great meal last night, and uh, we hit the table a little bit. And he uh, he wasn't as successful as I was, but oh, uh, nice. Look at that. You know, it was uh, it was a good night. Table, so. what's, what's your game? Uh, we kind of mixed it around a little bit. We played, uh, we played on, we played a little roulette. We played uh, blackjack, and uh, Leo had never played craps before, so we, uh, we 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 played a little craps. Although I don't really know what I'm doing at the table either, so uh, yeah, that was fun. I dabble a little bit when I go to Vegas, and I promised myself I wouldn't learn craps because it might be bad for me. Because <laughs> it's such a fun game to be at the table at, I think I might be there for a while. Hey, uh, listen, thanks for this. Uh, try and enjoy some time in Vegas, and we appreciate you joining us here on Tim and Friends. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Again, rogers.com slash NHL All-Star. You might walk away with a McDavid jersey. Listen, we'll get some reaction to that conversation, some reaction to Gary Bettman's news conference. Maybe some Super Bowl talk next on Tim and Friends. Lots coming up, including your reaction. Bunch of your reaction pouring in over the last little while. I want to apologize, though, to start to Dennis, who was watching us instead of the Man U Middlesbrough game, which we was PVRing <laughs> at the time. And because we had to welcome in oh. that audience, I gave away the score to that game. So Dennis wrote in and said, thanks for announcing the results of the Man United game that I was recording while falling asleep listening to Batman. Oh. Dennis, 2022, I apologize. There's just all these games all over the place. And I had to I had to welcome them in. What else could I do? Yeah, and you said it was like an epic penalties too. So you really like... He's it made him that much more upset, I'm sure. It wasn't like a three nil boring affair. Shut up, Justin. <laughs> You're not making this any better. Uh, all right, more reaction pouring in. And uh, so that was the start of Batman when he was relatively innocuous, uh, just talking about sponsors and things like that. Yeah. It was a little bit boring off the top, but man, did it get juicy in a hurry. Um, the Couch GM writes in about the answers about Arizona. And that really rattled a lot of cages in Canada. He says, if the NHL wants to compete with MLB, NFL, NBA, how can they let Arizona play in a 3,500 to 5,000-seat arena? Bettman's okay with Canadian teams playing elsewhere for full capacity. Then how can the NHL keep the Coyotes in Arizona? AJ wrote in and said, Commissioner Bettman truly hates Canada. You can hear it and feel it. It's tangible and has been since the beginning. Well, the uh, adject failure in Arizona has been going on for years. It was, a, it was an interesting contrast, Jesse, to hear him yes. talk about Arizona versus Canada, where he's applying this pressure that, you know, Canadian teams losing a lot of money, and obviously they are. Like, no one is disputing that in any way, shape, or form, but saying that the Canadian teams called about playing in other places and that the draft might move from Montreal if COVID restrictions yeah. aren't dropped, but then saying... Eh, well, Arizona could make more money at ASU. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think a lot of Canadian fans watch, and that would be upset because it, it felt like he was trying to make the point that the Canadian teams are losing so much money 
the takeaway from this press conference. Like he was shifting away from Arizona and obviously the, the Rocky words, he had an answer as well, yeah. but he was trying to apply that pressure and make it known that the Canadian teams are really struggling by not having anyone that's, in their arenas. And, and it felt like that was his number one concern on the day. That's a classic press conference move though, is to avoid the Rocky Wirtz conversation, avoid the Arizona conversation by shifting the focus onto something else. Yeah. And he successfully did that because he knew a bunch of Canadian media members would go, wait a second, like, there are Canadian teams that want to play elsewhere? And it would make some sense for Canadian teams to look at it. The Leafs could go to Florida and draw fans, That's right? That's true. The Montreal Canadiens could go to Florida and draw fans. The Calgary Flames could go to Arizona and maybe outdraw the Coyotes and give Glendale actual <laughs> asses in the seats. <laughs> That's a great point. Sid Sixero uh, tweeted out in the middle of that, it's incredible how unlikable Gary Bettman is. And Andy Donovan, I oftentimes look at the first responder. Uh, the spin on the words moment was interesting. So there's a lot of back and forth. Uh, and I want to also thank Connor McDavid for jumping up and in. An awesome interview. Uh, there's a, one tweet that I want to get to just about that interview. It was a great interview with Connor McDavid. Glad to hear unique questions. Good, candid interview. P.S. My daughter, who is eight, is still holding out hope that she can marry Connor when she grows <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, that was a, an awesome interview from from Connor. And we and asked him all the questions. There were some, like, real questions in there too and I thought he was he opened up and, and answered them and handled them well which I know people often criticize Connor for sort of keeping his cards close to the vest but I thought uh, he really opened up there no oh. he was he was playing craps and black yeah yes yeah. very yeah. nice he wasn't, he wasn't worried all about the uh, the cards too close to the chest all right the cards are never close to the chest because we're always asked to give our picks way in advance <laughs> and the Super Bowl might be the granddaddy of them all because they are now asking, because we're going on the Olympic break, for us to give our Super Bowl picks a week and a bit in advance. Are you comfortable with doing this, of Jesse course, Rubinoff? Of course, let's right. do it. How much could happen in a week and a half? A lot. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'm taking the Rams. Minus four. I believe that we'll see Joe Burrow running around for his life like we saw Patrick Mahomes running around for his life last year. Fair enough. But Joe Burrow can run around for his life as we've seen. Get oh, sacked four and eight, a half. What are we doing with times. the four and a half oh, now? Oh, thought it was four. It happened last <laughs> week, too. It went from seven to seven and a half. <sighs> oh, that's so good. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Burrow four can Four and get a half. Fine. Minus four and a half. Are you setting these lines, Jesse? I have nothing to do with this. I just They ask for my pick. I give my pick. And in this case, I'm going with the Bengals. I think despite the oh, fact no. that they're going up against Aaron Donald and he could be running for his life a little bit, like you said, Mahomes did, I think he can overcome that. I think he just throws the ball up to Jamar Chase. And it's all good, Timmy. All right. No, uh, no chance for me to catch Jesse. As you saw, he is four games ahead of me in the win-loss column. Yeah, I'm even. I'm at 500. And you're four games over 500. Uh, so Jesse has offered me up a Super Bowl props yeah. proposition. Tell me more. Okay, so there's obviously more to the Super Bowl than just picking against the spread, as you said. It's a Super Bowl, so you can bet on almost anything. Usual stuff like the over-under, first score of the game, but also stuff like who will win the coin toss, how long will the national anthem be? Long. And a lot more. So we decided to <laughs> gather some of the best props together into one place, and that has led us to, uh, well, I'll let... Kevin Mickey explain. Well, it's that time of year again. Time for the Super Bowl. Not just a great day of football, but also a time to make several side wagers. In the biz, we call them prop bets. The Super Bowl is annually the biggest gambling day of the year on the sports calendar. We here at Tim and Friends, we've devised a plan. Devised? That makes it sound kind of evil. <laughs> That brings us to the Tim and Friends Super Bowl prop bet pool. We've got simple questions like, who's going to win the game? Over 48 and a half points, under 48 and a half points. What will the coin toss be? But we also got some fun stuff, such as, how long is the national anthem going to be? What song is going to be performed first at the halftime show? Will Snoop Dogg smoke something during the halftime show? All that, and then still some more. And we want you, the friends of Tim and Friends, to get involved in this. Head over to our Tim and Friends Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts to get involved. We are going to post the Tim and Friends prop bet sheets, and then you can fill it out and send it back to us. Oh, and make sure you use the hashtag SNNBets and hashtag TFProps. Oh, and then, of course, 
Well, we have a little side wager going on between Tim and Jesse. If Tim wins, Jesse, he doesn't get to dance on the show for a week. That was my Rubinoff impression. Oh, but if Jesse wins, he gets to sit at that table during the first segment of the show in First Things First. Oh, but where's Tim going to be? Well, it's very simple, actually, because Tim is going to head over to Jesse's table, the side table, the tiny table. I've sat at that table. It is small. So Tim's in, Jesse's in, you got to be in, too. Come on in and join us. The kids' table, and you just don't have to dance? What the hell is that? I mean, we can negotiate. If you think it's unfair or whatever, we can do whatever you want. Uh, at Tim and Friends, what should Jesse have to do if I have to sit at the kids' table? <laughs> I think that opens up a world of possibilities. No, yeah, well, you and I can decide what's Sh- fair sure. and what's not fair. Like, keep it clean, though. That's not the only prop that we have today. No, no. So I challenged teased. you earlier yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, Accuracy shooting? Yeah. In light of the fact that the NHL skills competition is going tonight? Correct. We tweeted out odds? Uh, you are the current favorite what? at minus 150. No, you're not Sid here. What do you mean? <laughs> like, you've played hockey. I'm a goalie. I'm a former goalie. You play men's league out. Not anymore. I haven't played in a long time. Well, no one has because of the pandemic. Yeah. So you, you want to do this? Of course. Let's move this table out of oh, here. Like right let's now? get it. Oh, yeah. Let's get it done. We'll take a break. Last call is now going to be Ruby and I. I love it. With a little shooting accuracy challenge. NHL skills competition. Eat your heart out. We're doing it next. This seems dangerous. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back into the Tim and Friends studios. Jesse Rubinoff standing in front of you, having been challenged to an all-star or all-star skills challenge has decided to take up the cause. We have four minutes, four targets, four orange road hockey balls. Rubinoff will bat leadoff. Are you nervous at all? I'm just, I wanna make sure I'm not liable for anything that's over there. The last time that we did this, something got broken, so it's yeah. okay. Sixero didn't hit a target, and it ended with him getting hit in the old Fischneris with one of these balls. So good luck to you, kid. I need, yeah, I need to make sure I hit You're them in time. You're not 6-0. So you have a chance to go. You're not 6-0. So I'm stretching the entire break. If you don't knock out 4-4 four four, Ray Bork styles, no worries. I'll grab the ball out of the net and give it back to you. Continue on. We'll call it a limit it. of eight because we've only got three minutes, 40 seconds. Got a nice Sherwood piece here with no tape, which I think is beneficial. And by the way, when uh, we have the ball. I, I had the old... Uh, Stick inside the car. Shout out the HDA. We got you covered, kids. Tape out. Hey, let's go, Jesse. Moving Very off. Dope. Okay, here we go. In three. Diggs, you ready? Two, one, go. Oh, oh for one. Yeah. One. I'm gonna give you that one. One for one for two. No, that's brutal. one for two. That's brutal. Oh, that two. Hit. That hit for four. Oh, you loser. Two for five. Yes. Three, Three for, for six. six. I am impressed. Oh. And four for seven. Jesse Rubinoff gather the balls. I will gather the targets. That I know Jesse Rubinoff is going to run. Was impressed. I'm impressed with myself, but Timmy, I opened the door. I opened the door. I did miss three times, right? It's three for six. Is that what it was? Four, four for seven. Four for okay. seven okay. is the official score Listen, to be. Timmy was stretching all during the break. I'm a little concerned. No, I was carrying the netting, and you were looking for a stick. I was doing all the manual doing labor with Dave and Pasquale. Okay. And you were saying, you want to? I don't know. I think I have to adjust this target. I think you, you might want to stand to the other side. It's a little loose that one right there. I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Jacket on or off? I think you have to take it off. But who am I? The girls, them show. How am I sweating? I took seven shots. Four for seven. What is going Give on? Give me a countdown. I'm, I'm keeled over. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Not even close. Me, not even close. Oh my God. Take your time. Oh no. Oh no. I gotta go four for four. Hold on. That's all for three. I gotta go four for four. I believe in you. I think you can do it. I I think you can do it. I don't think I can do it. Yes. Changing the target? Yeah, should I change? No. Oh my, clutch. Oh, look at this. All right. Can you get balls or are you just going to stand around? I'm intrigued. I do all the work, the too. Drama. I got to carry the it drama in. The drama sidetracked me. Oh, I feel like I feel I like when, 90 they, for two when shots they give the ball here. back in basketball, I just made you move, so right. I feel bad about that. Yeah, you got me out of my spot. Oh, that's impressive. 
sticks on my Oh, he's behind. mad. He's sticks on my behind. behind. <laughs> oh, redemption for the uh, Jeopardy quiz. The underdog comes redemption through. Redemption for the Jeopardy quiz. Uh-oh. It may have hit a light. Okay, uh, so hold on. There's one thing broken, one light. Yeah. Do you want to try and knock out the other two before we're no. off the air? No, I don't want to Where did the that. balls go? We can't even find the balls anymore. They're gone. They're little, up on the roof. Got a little fired up, kids. That's what happens. But uh, fair and square, Jesse Rubinoff with an impressive performance. The tape is obviously a, an incredible cause, but the, the, I think this, I really do think no, this helped. No, I, I got beat. It's fair and square. What a great week. That was a On Tim and Friends. <laughs> I got pissed off at the end, and I just started firing away. How and to be honest, this is out of shape. I took seven shots at a net from ten feet away, and I'm having a difficult time breathing. Okay. My, mine is more that I just got mad and you just got, started. You're mad. You're mad. <laughs> uh, but you, yeah, like you went through this like one target the I'm whole gonna, time. That was your issue. I didn't I'm gonna put my tool down. All right, kids, that does it for us. NHL skills comp. I think they're going to be a wee bit better than me, although Jesse, four out of seven is pretty damn good. It's coming up on Sportsnet. We are off the air for the next two weeks due to Olympic coverage. We'll be active on all of our socials. Don't worry. Thank you very much for watching. As we leave you, we always do. On a little front. Oh, are you doing the belt, Domi? If it wasn't COVID, I would pull that shirt over here. It's Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> it's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then, it's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again, Anywhere I got you covered, Borean, classic. And just to prove the Groundhog Day is a bunch of horse bleep, Shubinakati, Sam, Shubinag. Shubinakati, Shubinakati. Shubinakadi. Shubinakadi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Shubinakadi. Shubinakadi. <laughs> yeah, I got it after a while, Kenny. Minus 30 Fahrenheit, so minus like 35, 34 Celsius. Don't they meet at 32? Wow. Oh, well, did you do in geography in class? That's not geography. Yeah, weather's geography. <laughs> geography. Geography is like land, mass, places. I was actually really good at geography too, which is uh, a side story. Capital of Thailand. Has. Don't do this to me right now. <laughs> What's going on? So I'm just honored to be in the presence of a geography expert who doesn't know that weather is a science. That's we have also come correct. up with a geography quiz. My hands are sweaty. To pit Ken Reed. I don't care. Against Jesse Rubin. What is the longest river in the world? In the world? The longest river in the world. In the world. What do you mean by that? <laughs> but you both got it right. Do I oh, get two points? Whoa. Do I get bonus points for getting it within three seconds and not asking 14 times? Oh the my. What is the largest state in the United States of America? By landmass? By landmass. I changed this my answer. This is actually a trick question. Ken says Alaska. Jesse says Alaska. How is that a trick question? You know, Texas is pretty big. People don't think about Alaska all so the time. So that's not a trick question. Florida's it's big, too. It's just the right answer. Okay. Here, see the sad kick. <laughs> Feeling good right now. All right. Like What's the smallest country in the world? Landmass. No! Vatican City is correct. Can't read. State capital of New York. Don't try to read through my paper. I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea. Ken says Albany. Jesse says Albany. Oh, nice pull, Jesse. Right. Are you, hold on, is someone telling you these things? No, nope. get your eye out. No. Get Pull your eye out. Me out. You've been waiting no. every time. No. Well, well, you can't make the last question worth five if I'm perfect so far. We got 15 seconds worth left. Like a man. This is my. Kenny Reed's your winner, everybody. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. What?